welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast. What is that? This is my blue steel. Come on, you gotta give you gotta give the camera some love sometimes. Give it a good look because uh, you know what? I guess you did turn right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Next time it'll be the bend and snap in the jorts if you would prefer. So. Please no. <laughs> Abs win. There no were a lot of words in that snaps. sentence I didn't like. Yeah, I agree. From Ben to snap to jorts. <laughs> and was okay. <laughs> well, look, I I think from, from the word hop here, this was much more what we're used to from the abs over the past month. As yeah. they, they kind of took it to Anaheim early. Yeah, so they had two games where... Look, they were they they were totally spent against Minnesota. Minnesota ran them out of the building. It turns out Anaheim's not quite as good, and the Avs were still totally spent in the first game of the series. It was the most boring game of the year. Yeah. It just wasn't very good. Yep. And then they got out of it. Like they scored one real goal. They pushed hard in the last ten minutes of the third period to kind of drop the hammer and great like they that's that's exactly how they should treat teams in third periods and then uh to today played with a lot more of the kind of energy that we've come to expect from colorado and look like this they got a little lucky at times throughout the game yeah for sure the that two-on-one early that, on that could have given shanked, yeah. yeah that could have given anaheim the one nothing lead um they got they got a good break there yep but beyond that, this was, you know, Jonas Johansson did, does exactly what's asked of him again. Completely fine. Sucks that he gives up. Doesn't get the, the Doesn't shutout Doesn't get the again, back-to-back but... shutouts uh, because of a puck that hits off the back of Kale McCarr's yeah, leg. I, like, nonsense, uh, right? But like, the hockey gods immediately gift the abs a double yeah, deflection back like, the other way. Bigger, like, bigger picture in play yeah. here. That got evened up immediately. And, like, Jonas Johansson's feeling good. Yep. And if there was ever if there was ever reason for you to feel like the Devin Dubnik thing will work out just fine, it's you just look at what Johansson has done. Yeah. When you play behind this defense, you just have to not screw the thing up. He Jonas has played three games now, and the first game he played, which was his off one, was after being with the team for a grand total of one day. This is his fifth appearance with the Avs. Is it his fifth? Yeah, he had he has four starts and one relief. Really? Yep. Oh, you're yeah, you're right. He had the relief. Yep. Uh, what was his fourth start? I can't. I only remember his fourth start was today. Yeah, I I only remember uh, two other starts. I'm pretty confident on that. Anyway, uh, but I not, I also can't remember. My point being, his only really rough start with the Avs was the first one. Yeah, where he had no time practicing with the team in front of him. Yep, and he settled in very nicely, playing exactly the way they need him to as a backup. Even though. and he stopped the first shot on goal in back to back games. Yeah, that's so the we're key. Off, we're like we can never talk about that again. It'll be like a fun like footnote in history of like remember that time. The abs got Jonas Johansson and his first three abs appearances. He gave up goals on the first three. <laughs> the only reason we talked about it is because stuff like that just doesn't happen. It really, it's not normal. Yeah, it's, and now that now that it's in the past, it's like, okay, we're off. We're, hilarious. We're now that he has a winning record. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, look, the abs are good. Like, that. this is how I can sum up this game. And I think 
you saw they get up 2-0. They go into the third period. There's certainly a little bit of gearing it down, right? This is a team that they had yeah. the energy tonight, but yeah. they are immediately aware of how exhausted they were two nights ago. Yeah. And they geared it down. Yeah. But the key is when Anaheim pushed back and got back in the game off of a bounce, they got at their shovels and they dug a grave yeah. and they threw Ryan Getzlaff's body into it. Yeah. <laughs> kicking and screaming all the way down. Yeah. But I'm, everything that I said about Getzlaff the last time that we talked about these guys. Yeah. Uh, and about the way that he sets the tone for that franchise and how he's, when games get decided, he decides that he's just going to goon it up. Yep. That it's it's time for the Getzloff clown show. And because he's the captain, the, like, he has free reign to embarrass that franchise every single night like that. Like, that guy, you know, it's not his fault that he's wildly overpaid at this point in his career. Like, that's, let's yeah. be honest... The abs are very likely to sign Gabe Landeskog to a contract this year. That isn't so that different from probably that. Yeah. ends like the Getzlaff deal does someday. Yeah. With the guy being overpaid. But the rest of this, like, there's no there's no pride there. This is this is to me, I look at it and I'm I'm embarrassed for a guy who's had a spectacular career. There's not he's not going down with any kind of grace or class or any of that, and that's not something that I say about very many guys. Um, I just think that I, I think that it's petulant and it's selfish. And watching watching him start nonsense and get into a get into a scrum where he punches three different guys, yeah, and not get penalized for it is just like, what it's, are we doing it's silly. here? It's silly and. I don't know. For me, for me, I think it's embarrassing for the Ducks and for a player that is. I mean, he's won a Stanley Cup. He's had international success. He's had a very borderline Hall of Fame caliber career. Easily one of the best players in franchise history. Oh yeah, and, and, well, and no you look at that. you look at the way that Timu Solani and Scott Niedermeyer represented that organization. You know, when they Classy. were... Classy. Yeah. Exactly. Everybody loved them. Nobody loves Ryan Getzlaff. Like, like I'm sure Ducks fans are very fond of him and very thankful for everything that he did, but, like, he's... I don't know. There's no, like, fading into the sunset. This is... It's just, yeah. it's just kind of... I don't know. It the, was it was the, a little hard to watch. The today. skill has started, if not completely, left his hockey game, and all that's yeah. left is a is the goony side of it, basically. Yeah, like and that edge was part of what made him such a great player and right. so effective because but, it was that with the talent, with right, the ability, exactly. And it, you know, and him writing next to Corey Perry, like like that was their identity for so long yep. and now now when you just see all the nonsense and none of the skill and none of the talent it just it looks bad well, look it to be honest it reminds me of what the AHL was 5 7 years ago you're if this is a 3-3 hockey game in the third period and Getzlav is getting under your skin it's great. There's like an element to that. Yeah. He's doing he's doing a, a good job. You're right. It's a 4-1 hockey game with 4 minutes left and the Ducks are 14 points out of a playoff spot. Yeah. And the game like their season is over. Everything they do is irrelevant and Getzlav wants to punch some dudes. Come on. Yeah, and it's just like it's what point are you making here? 
Like, and this is the, it's funny because so many people are like, oh, look at the abs are just getting bullied again. And it's like, it's four to one. Yeah, the game's the over. Game. <laughs> like, what point is being made here? You know, Nick Delorier is so mad about what Nazem Kadri did that the <laughs> Ducks broadcast two nights ago yeah. was obsessing over it. Nothing happened. He had a, an entire game to do something about it. Doesn't. Is on the verge of being traded. And then picks a fight with Liam O'Brien like right after the Avs score to yeah. make it one. And it was just like, like this organization is clown shoes, man. Like it's, it's, I've always had a great deal of respect for what they did when they were at their peak. Yeah. Like it's, it sucked when the Avs went in there and got embarrassed by them on a regular basis. They would get beat on the scoreboard. They would get physically beat. They would, it was just, it was a total but mismatch. And now watching like, it's like it's it's like watching a bully that just ages out of being effective, and they're just like like pushing people around for what exactly? What? I'm to me to me like, and I'm glad the season series is over, so we don't have to deal with right. it anymore. Done. <laughs> but like, it's just sort of sad. Would you go so far as to say that they're a Mickey Mouse organization? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> at the moment, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean they're not they're not remotely competitive. What exactly are they doing with their young guys? What's the direction of that franchise? If they if you were if you were we should actually do a show on this because I think it's a super fascinating it topic. Is, yeah. But if you were a GM, if you if you how could do you be, fix the Ducks? I should yeah. say if you could be a GM of any franchise in the NHL, how far down on the list would Anaheim be? Pretty far, pretty deep between between what they currently have. And their financial situation and their ownership and blah, 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 blah. If you consider all these factors, the prospect pool and all that, like, Anaheim's got to be pretty far down there. Uh, even Buffalo, you have hope for somebody like Darlene and... and you have Jack Eichel. Right. Like you, it's obviously not worked. I just, what, I'm just curious. But, like, who's the future star of Anaheim? No it's, one has taken the reins. I mean, it's Trevor Zegros and Jamie Drysdale. But... But they're the new hotness. Right. <laughs> you yeah. fast forward two years. You remember, because not that, not that long ago, it was Max Jones and Sam Steele. Yeah, and they it never happened. Yeah. And, you know, it, Troy Terry, it just, you know, Isaac Lundestrom, none of, none of this is, it, it's, I don't know. We're kind of kind of off on a side tangent here, but. This is what it, happens in Ducks games, because well, the Ducks is, are bad. This and, is what happens when a team dispatches, a good team dispatches a bad team. Yeah. Doesn't have to burn a whole lot of energy. Uh, put Kind of puts them in their place, and now the season series is over between them. Yeah. I, the Avs. And Anaheim has been, had a good, a successful year against the Avs. Yeah. I'll, I think they finished, I think their record is 2-4-2 two, and two against Colorado this year. That sounds right. They they found ways to get to overtime a handful of times yeah. in games they absolutely shouldn't have. I think the Avs finished 4-2-2. Two, and two. I think you're correct on that. So they missed out on six of the pos six points in the season series. Yep. <laughs> Still probably one or two more than you would have liked. But when you consider the context of how many games did Grubauer play against the Ducks? Five? Because I don't think it because we it's, had. I know there's three that he didn't play for sure. The last two it, it are, might be last four. two are Johansson 
and I think there were a couple of miscas. There were two miscas, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Miska played them twice. So, yeah, the Ducks are a rest game. Is is the point to be made there? Yep. And the Avs did just fine tonight. I mean, Jonas Johansson just played back-to-back games, and yeah. the Avs walked out with four points, and it wasn't particularly competitive. No, neither game. I mean, the other the other game was a one-goal game for most for basically sure. the whole game, and then great, and then this one, you know, the Avs just slowly built the lead. Yeah, the, but it was never really. It was never close. There the, was there uh, was one moment after it was two to one where yep. they they had like a possession. Yep. And then after that, it just never really got close again. Yep. The Avs flipped the switch, turned it on, and buried him. Yeah. And that was that. I mean, it was the the ultimate reaction there. The McKinnon goal to make it 4-1. to one. Yep. That's the dagger. Realistically, 3-1. to one, Like, the Ducks weren't playing for anything. As soon as they got to 3-1, to one, they were like... Yeah, it was done. All right, this is done. Wrap it up. But then you you get to dunk with the, with the top line goal as well. Or really the Kale McCarr driven goal. But <laughs> is it six one and one? No, they, they they is it did well they lost the one game in overtime for sure. They lost yeah. the Gibson game. Yeah. They took another game to overtime. I forget if they won it or not. Yeah, though. the Landis Cog wraparound. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The Gibson made the incredible save. So yeah, I guess they won that game. Was it really six one and one? Anyway, wow, Anaheim sucks. So wait, so Colorado finished six one and one, and the Ducks finished two four and two. No, they'd be one. That's hilarious. It'd be one five and one, right? Or no one. I don't know. We're one I mean, we six. Sh- and... Just look at the schedule next. Anyway, time the Ducks are bad. Yeah, the Ducks are bad, and the Avs the Avs treated them as such pretty consistently, like. There were there were some games that definitely were closer earlier in the in the year, but as they played more and more, the distance really it, separated it, there. This is not the first team, and it won't be the last team this year that the Avs have proven that they're just on a different level. Then, yeah, when you look at their division yeah. again, I point out the fact that they have a winning record against every team in the division. Yep, even the good ones. Their closest is Vegas, who they're three, two, and one against. Correct. So. I just, yeah, they were they were totally like this was a they they got back to what they did well, and they have the back to back tomorrow. But also of note, Arizona played today in Vegas. Yep, Arizona plays in Vegas and then has to come to Colorado. That's a that's a tough road. Both teams traveling on a back to back. Exactly. So the the fatigue and all that, and the fact that they got away with playing Johansson again today. Means that they have options tomorrow. I definitely don't expect Dubnik. I don't but if either. You throw, if but you throw Philip Grubauer in there, you have to feel like, hey, all right. Philip Grubauer didn't even have to dress today. You were like Grubauer. Grubauer was clearly spent against yeah, Minnesota. Right. Exactly. He wasn't. I mean, there were basic things that were happening that he just he wasn't even tracking pucks. Yep. Like he he looked like a guy that was just mentally exhausted. very obviously nothing left. Yeah. yeah. And so now that he's basically had the week off, okay, I'm curious to see how he comes back. Yeah. It, and that's, it's absolutely key for the abs to keep Grubauer playing at a certain level. Yeah. Through the rest of the season and into the playoffs. It was the whole point of the Dubnik edition. Yep. 
because you don't have to run him into the ground yeah. because of that. And to be honest, with how Johansson has played here, like you're gonna, yeah, you're. We you, talked about you, it. We talked about it yesterday. But yeah. there would be a temptation to go Dubnik Johansson at the end of the season when once things are things or whatever are kind of settled yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're down to the last what sixteen games or so uh, of the season. This was game forty one, so fifteen left. Fifteen left. Okay, and then. I mean, if you can, if you can play of those fifteen, if you just say Grubauer plays ten of them, yep, and you're you're clinching and you're whatever, 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 then you're feeling really good, man. Yeah, you get him, you get him some rest on the back end, right? As long as he continues to play well, you like you want to balance it between give the guy rest and don't break like a rhythm. You, I mean, that's an interesting question too. Is there Let's say Grubauer is still a little bit off when he when he comes back, whether that be tomorrow or whenever. Mm-hmm. Is there a little bit of letting him play his way out of a funk there? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You think so? Yeah, it, sure. Even with the two acquisitions, though? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's like you have to determine what's what's fatigue and what's just playing poorly. That's true. Yeah. You know, you didn't go and get though you didn't go and get Dubnik and Johansson to play instead of Grubauer down the stretch. Definitely not. Yeah. Like you did it to give Grubauer rest, not to, you know. All right. I I, I don't disagree. Down. Yeah. It's Grubauer is the clear-cut number 1 still. There's yeah. there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um I do to want to I want to talk about my boy here because I feel like he's getting a little bit of uh, some negativity built around him in Andre Burkowski. And is that because Evan and I keep like, dogging on him like, and he just keeps getting points anyway? Well, like Evan, Evan and I in, in so the way that it works is I write my article separately. Evan writes the grades and lets me know. And then I edit them. And, and then, then you then both hate them. Andre Burkowski. And we come to separate conclusions without conversing about it. That Andre Burakovsky is really, really struggling. And then the play that he made today to set up his own goal. <laughs> Takes the puck away. Like, yeah. really, really, really good play. Yeah. Well, so. And the thing is, I don't even disagree necessarily that he's been struggling. Like, even on the great play. He takes the puck away. He turns around and tries to send it back to the point. It bounces <laughs> off to Chushkin's skate. <laughs> and he... Manages to recover and it ends up opening up a lane for him. The, but the thing, the thing that has been great is that you have to be able to produce when you're not at your best. Yep. Where has Nazem Kadri been? Where has Brandon Sod been? Because those guys haven't been at their best either, and they're not on the board. Yeah. Burkowski is struggling, but he's finding himself on the board here and there. For sure. Now some of that is right place, right time. Like. You look at a couple games ago against Minnesota, puck bounces, you know. Yeah. And he just he grabs the I, puck and he puts it into an empty net. I, and I like, hear yeah. you on that, but I don't like the phrase right place, right time for that because... It is, though. It, like, you're, it, it is correct. He is in the right place at the right time to do that, but if he's floating around in the zone and not getting to the dirty areas, then he's not going to sure, be. Sure, but I'm... like. Sure, but but I'm just saying, like that's a bounce where a puck goes to him. Absolutely, it's like it, that's not. It's definitely it, lucky. It's not it's some skill play that he made, but he's also doing something correct. It's yeah. Not, well, and it's not like Burkowski's been atrocious. Sure, I've given him credit the entire time. 
defensively, he's been a lot better. He's been engaged. He's back-checked hard. He's, he's, he's handled his assignments defensively pretty well. It's just that when you see him consistently turn pucks over every single time the second power play unit is out there, he's the guy in charge of getting into the, into the zone with the entry. Yeah, I have, and you know what? JT Confer was better at that than he is. I have no argument with the second power play. Like, he's been awful on that. It's, yeah. it's, that part of his game has been a mess consistently. And then you see the offensive decision-making, and he gets a little too cute with it. And you're like, dude, you are a world-class shooter who is not shooting. Like, it, at some point, it gets it gets a little frustrating. But the, enough of his... I, like, there was a conversation in my mentions the other day about scratching him. And I was like, no, of course not. He has... First of all, his defensive game has been too good for you to mess with that. But he has also had too many good games. He's earned his place in the lineup to work through issues. Classic, like, good veteran player. You don't need to scratch him to send a message or whatever. You just sit him down. I thought maybe changing the lines would help, you know, move him down for a game or a period or whatever, just to get just to get the, the feet moving, get the engine going a little bit. I still think, I look, the goal was great, but he disappeared for the rest of the game after that. I don't hate that. Like I don't, and I'm not expecting him to score two, three, four goals or whatever. I'm not saying that. I just, I just want to see him a little more consistently engaged. And the fact that the Avs are I, being able to play through these had, issues is totally okay. He had other quality opportunities, though. He had a good two-on-one break where he fired a puck. Gibson made a great save. Yeah, he had that another was the one. Big love save, right? Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. leather. He had another one where he decided to pass, which obviously you want him to shoot more, but it, it, like not even like getting into the micro of those decisions. Just that I don't, I don't feel like he's been consistently engaged enough, and that's really my biggest I, complaint. I would agree with you over the course of the last handful of the games, but I did think it was better tonight. Okay, I did think that it looked more like the Burakovsky that you're used to seeing when his game is on. Okay. Um, I'm good with that. Now, the second line did look a little bit different tonight with Brandon Saad getting moved down to the third line. Uh, we'll it talk. like he was back by the end of the game. Yeah. I, it, it was a weird, weird game regardless around that situation, but I mean, we can talk a little bit more about that later. Um, in any case, how much does Bender look like he wants to get the hell out of there? Oh yeah, dude, that dude is like, I got a game tomorrow night. Yeah, we gotta fly home. <laughs> get me out of Anaheim, please. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. I, the Abs once again are capable of getting production from anywhere. Yeah, you get a goal from Burakovsky on your second line as the first goal of the game. Then you get the second goal of the game. Beautiful tip from Gabe Landeskog. Yep. On a five-on-three. On a five-on-three. The Avs score on a five-on-three power play. This fan base's um, favorite thing to rag on is the Avs five-on-three, I think. So they get a goal there. Their third goal, yeah, it's ridiculously lucky. But Ryan Graves gets on the board with a goal. And then their fourth goal is the top line just dunking on dudes. Yep. So uh, the keys to success this year the reality is that the Avs haven't relied on their depth forward scoring very much they rely on their top six which had goals and they rely on their defense to chip in points and that's exactly what they got in this game yeah so the formula works yeah I mean they're well built that way yep 
It's what, I mean, you look at how hard Anaheim has to work to score. Top line all the way down. Yep. That's not the case in Colorado. They're getting really, since the absolutely glacial starts of Belmont. Yeah, it's not close, near as bad as it was the first 20 games. Yeah. It's really, honestly, once they hit about 30, 35 games. I would I would say once they hit about thirty games, yeah, I think they've been a lot better since then. Agreed. Donskoy has cooled off, but everybody else has kind of leveled it up a little bit to the point where you're meeting in the middle. Which because Donskoy was your secondary yeah, production, literally by himself for a while. Yeah, there. before yeah. Nachushkin started, and then Nachushkin, Nachushkin found his game, and then you know Belmar, Comfort, Jost have all slowly found their games as well. I mean, they're balanced right now. Yep. The trade deadline is tomorrow afternoon. And let's, after they've addressed goaltending, they've addressed depth defense. This version of the Colorado Avalanche, in your opinion, what's their biggest weakness? Do I have to say it? Yeah, I'm asking. We've been saying it since preseason. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm asking though. 3C. Okay. So even with Tyson Jost having moved into the third line center, you still say that's the biggest it's, weakness on the it's roster. It's better than it was. That doesn't make it good. So what's what about it has been better? Because you know that I agree with you. You can trust Tyson Jost on the ice as a center to provide you with decent quality minutes. I'm not arguing that. He has he has great process. He's going to be super solid for you on the defensive side of the puck. But despite creating decent opportunities you need a little bit more consistency out of your production yeah full stop it's and everybody knew the don Scoy part was going to cool down of course now that it started to he was like 18th in the nhl in yeah, goals right. at one point like it was it was getting to the point where you're like okay come on but now that don Scoy has started to cool off mm-hmm. you see the Issues with the lack of production on the third line, and Tyson Jost got an assist tonight on a ridiculous. Well, and he played. He played a great game. So this yeah, is like yeah, sort of a poorly timed conversation. And, and like, here's the thing: the problem isn't Tyson Jost, but he just happens to be in the three C role right now. Uh, and the the real. So I think the issue is that they have two really good four Cs. Yeah, exactly. When it comes to defensive play, PK. You know, all of all of the the assignment, but, the, the one thing that they do not have is that sort of that buffer between top six production, yeah, and 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 a bottom of the barrel well, production guy, where you're like twenty points is completely fine out of this guy. It's it's lack of consistency a little bit, I think, and I understand third liners, fourth liners are that right. because of their lack of consistency. They are going to go as Natushin has gone very hot and cold. But that's the thing is, you need an anchor to a third line that yeah. you can trust to give you a certain level of production. And right now, who's that anchor? It's no, it, it was Jonas Donskoy because he was the hottest thing on planet Earth, and now it's no one. Arguably, the most consistent guy that they have on their third line is Nachushkin because defensively, he gives you the same thing sure. all the time. But the production the is kind of comes and goes, it comes in two week spurts with and, him. And like, it's yeah. well, and it's like Donskoy and Nachushkin are kind of the same guy, but their hot spurts happen in opposite yeah. ways, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and 
then you kind of have Jost in the middle who's just, who's... He's steady, but... Like, like yeah. in no way are we, like, hating on Tyson No, Jost. absolutely not. It's been a really, really good year for him, and it's been a really good thing for the Avalanche to start to carve out a real legitimate role. Because with Belmar leaving in the offseason, likely leaving in the offseason, just dropping Tyson Jost into that 4C spot is a perfectly fine feather in their cap yep that they know they can do that and if they need to play him at 3c next year that is also okay the fact that it's that we think it's the biggest weakness on the roster is genuinely a testament to the rest of the roster yes not an indictment of tyson jost that he is maybe just just by a fraction of a hair here you know we're talking like the difference of like if he scored seven more points we would not probably be having this He'd be a baller 3C, yeah. Like, we would be, you know, if he was a guy that we thought was reliably, like, 30, 30 points here. Yep. If it was 25 to 30 points, great. But he's been below that all year You're this looking year. at more like a 20-point guy. Right. Most of the season, it's been, like, 15 or 16. Yeah. Like, it's been low. Yep. So it's picked up a little bit, but it hasn't picked up so much. In what is now, he's going on several weeks in this spot. It's not picked up so much that you're like, the breakthrough. Yeah, it right. Like, it hasn't been a revelation. For exactly. Sure. So it's it's good, not great. That's arguably the weakest spot on the roster, and it's also going to be one of the hardest spots to fill by tomorrow's deadline because there's just not how many like good quality three C's are in the NHL. Most teams struggle to put Very two few. out there. Most teams struggle to put two out there. So a lot of like guys that we would think of as good three C's are getting overplayed at two C. And on other teams, yeah, for sure. So it's the bars popping off. Yeah, and like it it is like we've talked about how the defense between Taves, Gerard, and McCarr it makes up they some kind of, of are a third line. Yep. And we've definitely talked about some of that, but you still you still can't be rolling out multiple guys who are, like, on pace for, like, 17-point seasons. Yeah. And again, they've all gotten better and beyond that, but not so much so, you know? Yeah. And I think... It just makes tomorrow's deadline interesting. It... And part of the interesting answer here is because you get the consistency out of Jost. Well, in their, their like process, their underlying numbers, like they're dominant on ice results. Yeah. The only thing they're not producing is goals. They're keeping the puck but out of their own zone. My, if that continues in the postseason, the Avs are going to be an extremely <laughs> hard out. And the only team on paper that you're looking at and saying, they can roll with Colorado and they can outscore them on like head to head on every line on paper and then on defense. It's Tampa Bay. Yep. That's it. Yep. End of list. Yep. And while not not none of this Toronto nonsense. No, the, the, none of this doesn't no fear. The, no no Vegas. Like none of those teams on paper can just go down the list and say, Oh yeah, we can do that, we can do that, we can do it is Tampa Bay only. Well, here's the thing too, is Look, we've we've identified specifically three C, but and we can get into this a little bit more whenever. 
you can solve this by not necessarily going out and getting a center. Uh, <laughs> you can solve this by going out and getting a type of player. And look, you can do it a bunch of different ways, but if you go out and get someone that can help drive offense Let's a little bit. Let's just do this. Let's just have Do we have to? Dude, look, we haven't. You can't say that we've spent a lot of time on it this year because we haven't. We have ignored this conversation. So can we, we change are, the title of the show? <laughs> we are we are in the last 24 hours before the trade deadline, and there is still one major piece just sitting out on the market. Yep. Okay. So I don't want to get into cost. I don't care. It's going to be what it's going to be. The only conversation that I am interested in having is. Does it make sense? <laughs> does Taylor Hall make you better? I mean, the answer to that is yes. Sell me while I jam out to the 80s music that's <laughs> yeah, rocking right this, now. The bar has got some jams. Yeah, going on. I'm super, super, super feeling this. <laughs> but so sell me on this. Taylor Hall, you're saying yes. Okay. And again, we're not getting into we're not getting into price here, but does he make you better? He is a left wing that has like two goals on the season. Yeah. What so, why why am I why am I if I am the person who thinks that Taylor Hall is the devil <laughs> and a locker room cancer. Well, he was a devil, but not anymore. And a locker room cancer and the the root of all that is evil everywhere that he goes and that he is a loser and that the stigma of of loserdom will follow him everywhere he goes and he will single-handedly be responsible for this Avalanche team not winning Stanley Cup just by walking into the locker room. I am that person right now. Why should I believe Taylor Hall helps them? Have you seen Nazem Kadri shoot a puck? I yeah, like 6 times a game have and you, where you know it goes all over the place. Have you seen Andre Burakovsky shoot a puck? Yeah, I have. Have you seen Jonas Donskoy shoot a puck? I guess he's a left winger, so it doesn't really count. Uh, have you seen Nachushkin shoot a puck when he's hot? I, it's never really been pretty, even when it's going well. How much better do all of those shots look, even if they're quality in the first place, when it's Taylor Hall distributing to them? How? I don't know. You don't know? What do you mean you don't know? I mean, know? I don't know how much better it gets. I know how much better it gets, and that the answer is a lot. When you put, so let's talk about Andre Burakovsky's big problem right now. He sucks mm -hmm. at driving play through the neutral zone yeah. and creating offense into the offensive zone. Okay. Taylor Hall just does that job for him. If you put him on his line, okay. if you don't want to put him on his line, you can put him on a third line. You don't have to move Sod off that line. Okay. And then you have Taylor Hall with. Call it Tyson Jost and Val Nichushkin or whatever. You can put Boy, Donskoy on the right if you want. Yeah, Donskoy plays on the right, so leave him there. He plays both, but... He he has played both in his Colorado career. Right now, this year, it's all on the right. Yeah, I... I'm, so... Okay, Any regardless, doesn't it's, matter. It's Hall, it, right now, it would be... Hall is either taking Sod spot on the left or Nichushkin spot on the left. So, we have isolated two problems here, right? The Avs need more consistent production from their third line and 
arguably the same thing from their second line. Two different tiers. Second line, they're getting good scoring out of. But if you really want to dominate teams, you want to be able to throw out that second line as a constant threat. So teams feel afraid to fully commit their strongest defense against the top unit. Okay. You can put Taylor Hall on either of those lines, and all of a sudden teams are going to go, oh, shit, we have to do something about that. Yeah, so teams have three defensive pairings. Yep. Uh, Yo, how if, many, if you're how gonna... many defensive pairings? So, look at Colorado's defensive pairing, third defensive pairing yeah, tonight. Yeah, my point. This is, this is an extreme example. <laughs> it is that it can't get it much be, worse than that. It won't but... be a playoffs example, but if Keaton Middleton and Kyle Burrows had to go up against Taylor Hall, Tyson, Joseph, and Jonas Donskoy, you're terrified. You like your chances. Yeah. <laughs> now take a healthy third pairing. Let's say let's say it's if for Colorado, let's say it's Ryan Graves and Bo Byram. Sure. With uh, Jacob McDonald as Byram's rotating in whatever. Exactly. It'll probably be McDonald tomorrow. Yeah. When his suspension ends. Um You still feel really good. Pretty good about that, right? And then and then know that they have a better third pairing than your average team. And like, how are you feeling if you end up with against Minnesota in the first round and you're against uh, uh, Taylor Hall, Tyson Jost, and Jonas Donskoy against Ian Cole and Carson Soucy? You're, you could take any third pairing in the league and you're laughing all the way to the bank if you're playing Taylor Hall against it. It's just silly. And the other side of it is flexibility. This Be- is where I, this is where you start to win me. Yeah. Because look at, we saw for the first time all season a real flexibility in the Avs top six tonight with them trying Sod down on the third line. And that lasted for 30 minutes. And that was it. Okay, so the problem, the problem with Nachushkin in that spot is that the offense isn't there. It's. When you put him against higher quality of competition, offense dies on his stick. It just does. There's no doubt about it. That was a lot of what was happening with Val in the first month of the season Mm -hmm. was that even since he's found it, like, and he, like, he was really good today. Yeah, he was. He was all over the place and all that, but you're just, and like, he ends up with an assist because Burkowski hits him in the skate with a puck. (laughs) Like a very Val Nachushkin point. Yep. And but how much so in how much better is your roster if one through four you go Landeskog, Hall, Sod, Nachushkin. Yep. And you're silly. not it's silly. Like Nachushkin now is you, you go from Val Nachushkin to Taylor Hall and then Liam O'Brien to Val Nachushkin. Yep. It's pretty good. Pretty big upgrade. Like if Matt Calvert gets healthy, he no longer has a job. Yeah, pretty much. And that's okay. And, that's, and like, that just, that's not a knock on Matt Calvert. That's course. how ridiculously good that lineup is. Well, and then and then if JT Confer can't get his shit together, then you put Matt Calvert right. in the right spot. Yeah. Then you put Logan O'Connor in the right spot. Well, right. It's... It, I, I mean, does it, this does this not just make you so nasty? Because then your center depth is still what it is right now. McKinnon... Check. Yep. Kadri, check. Yep. Jost, 
check it. Sur- surviving. Yeah. Belmar, check. Yep. And and to my earlier point, if you're putting Taylor Hall in a third line, there are a few wingers in the league that you can play as a pseudo center. As far as they're the they're going to drive play off the wing. They're going to essentially fill the role that a center would normally fill offensively. And that is what Taylor Hall would do easily on a line like that. Tyson Jost can lean into the things that he's good at and let Taylor Hall be the driver's seat guy there. And if you if you don't like that, if you don't want to do that, put him with Kadri and Burakovsky on the second line and just have him feed pucks to dudes ripping shots. Put him on the first line with McKinnon and Ranton and, and just pop off. Arguably the biggest problem with the current construction of the second line is that you have three shooters. Three guys who should be yeah. <laughs> shoot first guys. Yep. And Sod is the guy that goes to the net and just puts away pucks. Yep. But he's not much of a distributor. Yep. And that puts Burakovsky distributing. Where Taylor Hall is still very, very very good. Yep. Driving play and distributing. Now, scoring goals has always been a thing that he has done. It's but. not like he's a it's not like he's a terrible goal no, scorer. No. But it's also like his goal his goal numbers is like one of the biggest knocks yep. on his game. And the Avs top six is built to not give a hell about his right. goal numbers. Like you, like, he rolls in there, and if he steadies yep. some of the inconsistencies between Kadri and Burakovsky, and you've got two guys that could just go off on any game, I mean, it's it's intriguing, right? And then and then you have a third line there where Brandon Saad is next to Tyson Jost and Jonas Donskoy. And you have a really, really good style fit because you have a similar player as Nachushkin. Not quite the same level of skater, of course. Yeah, sure. Not going to be quite the same level of forechecker, but a guy that is really, really good defensively still. Very responsible and, and very strong analytically in his own right. Yep. And then you have Nachushkin on your fourth line just eating up that matchup. I mean, the guy's already going 10-2 and two every night. <laughs> to watch him do that on fourth lines, like, you're no longer sitting there thinking about Will Carey and Ryan Reeves in Vegas. They're now afraid of you. I mean, I, it, it even becomes more versatile than that. And I'm not saying you would do this every night, but let's say you want to throw a shutdown look at people. Well, when you in, in late in games... You can move. Nothing says right. that this has to happen right. like this. A late in games, you're protecting a lead. You still have the ultimate X factor in a dominant defensive wing in Val Nichushkin, where you no longer, and, and put in that role, you no longer are caring too much about what he does offensively. You don't want it to completely disappear. But at the same time, like that is a dude... That is a dude that you can elevate into situations. Yeah. And you could put that guy next to, to Kadri and Burakovsky because you're like, hey, we're going to go. Well, don't screw this up. It's elevation, but I think there's also Keep de-escalation the there here. If you're in a one-goal game and you have an offensive zone face-off, you can throw out something like McKinnon, Rantanen, and Hall in the offensive zone. If you're in the defensive zone, you can throw out something like Jost, Nachushkin, and Landeskog. 
there are options that become just absurd. <laughs> Not to mention what, what he would do for whatever special team unit he has. Yeah, on. right. Like, One of the two power plays just got way better. <laughs> it, this it. I'm going to laugh. We're going to be in the middle of this conversation. He's going to get traded. He's going to get traded to not Colorado. And we're going to be like, well, that was some cool hype for sure. But, you know, he's not someone. And and AJ, we're talking about this during the game a little bit. We haven't talked about him. But let's be honest. The whole league hasn't really been talking about Taylor Hall. He's just kind of floated under the radar in Buffalo. Well, he's had such a terrible season yep. that, like, the shine has really come off. Where this would be the other aspect of it is that there's no pressure, especially at whatever. It sounds like it's going to be not a first-round pick. Yep. So whatever reduced cost it, ends, cost it ends up being. Just go out there and uh, and do you, know, you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no pre- like, we're not dropping you into a situation where you have to be a monster. Just... Go out there and and do do your thing, and we'll just see how it goes. All these people who are convinced that he's a cancer, it, I don't know. Um, I don't know how. I don't know where the, there's any proof of that. Yeah. Like there were obviously, and we touched on this at length last season. Yep. There were obviously stories early in his career where there was immaturity in Edmonton. Something he fully admitted. And but he's now uh, run through a couple of different franchises where nary a word has been said about well maturity being any kind of an issue for him. Oh my god, is Washington beating seven to one? It's eight one now. Oh, they literally just scored. Yeah. Again. Uh and my gosh. But look where I don't understand the cancer stories at all. The locker room in Edmonton yeah. in Hall's tenure there was toxic as hell, Hall or not. Well, and it's it's one of the most toxic media environments, yeah. too. <laughs> Why exactly would you take anything that that media tells you and just totally believe that? Yeah. The only, the only reason that I give the Edmonton stuff any legs is because Hall said, Hall himself was like, I had issues there. Yep. I had my own problems. But since then, there hasn't been very much. And all of the people who seem to think that they know everything about Taylor Hall's personal life just blow me away. How do you know? You don't. Devin Dubnik was top five enemy 48 hours ago. And then he did one and then uh, he did, AMA. He and did it was, one yeah. ultra charming interview. Yeah, and now he's. And now people are like. <laughs> Maybe he's not so bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not to say that he was a bad locker room guy or that he had that kind of attitude. But, like, <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, for sure. And I just, I'm just not, I'm just not worried about it, honestly. Um, that's just, of the things that I would be worried about, my number one concern is honestly just what it would cost to get the guy. Yeah, uh, I Fit and even, locker room look, and all of that stuff, I just... Even, I have a hard time believing that Taylor Hall look, rolls into Denver and derails right, everything that, that they do. I think it's that's fucking crazy. that's the key for me. Even if he is a locker room problem, he's going to roll into here if the Avs were to trade for him and the Avs locker room would be like, sit down and shut the fuck up. We are on a mission to go win a Stanley Cup. Well, and to be honest with you, if that leadership group had a problem with him, they would they trade would, for him. Well, yeah. they would go and they would tell Jared Bednar. Yeah. And Jared Bednar would take that guy out of the lineup and we would all just move on. Yep. And then you guys could spend all of the rest of eternity going on about what a locker room cancer he is. Yep. 
because he would have been put into an ultra positive, ultra driven environment of his entire that career. he has never been in before. Yeah. yeah. And he would have he would have failed spectacularly at that point. Yep. He hasn't done that. He's never been in that kind of environment in his career. Yeah, it's that simple. It's everywhere he's gone, he's had to either be a savior or it's been Buffalo. <laughs> whatever Buffalo is. Exactly. So, <laughs> I'm whatever. I would take the I would take the chance on it depending on price and all that. What's what's your max price? I don't I don't honestly know the answer to that yeah. because I don't know what I don't know what what's the fair value right yeah. now, yeah. And I don't know how Kevin Adams feels. If you're Kevin Adams, are you the guy that gave gave away Taylor Hall for a third round pick who then goes on to be a point per game guy in a postseason <laughs> run? And you're just like, wow, this really didn't work here and I didn't get shit for that guy. Yep. Nick Felino got a first round pick today. And a couple other And picks let me tell too, you right? how nervous I was about it being Nick Felino that the Avs that they after. were after cuz yeah. they were legit into that. I, I I spent all day nervous about Nick Felino. And that's not to say like he's a bad player, just that he's a very limited guy, and stylistically there were there were problems there. None of that exists with Taylor Hall. Nope. It's... Is there anything else in this market that you think that would make the Avs legitimately better? Like you could like fourth liners, this they, and that. Like, look, Kiefer Sherwood is tearing up the AHL. They probably have fourth line guys that they could call up. There's a billion min maxi things they could do, including at least three options in their own organization. Yeah, but to make them significantly better, to add a player that other teams look at the Avs lineup and go, "This is a problem." I don't think there's anyone else, and, and, you know, unless barring insanity like trading for Sam Reinhardt. Yeah, or right. Like but, something, something that we don't think is realistic. Yeah. The only reason that we're engaging the Hall conversation is because we're in the last 24 hours, uh, and the smoke is there. Yep. Um, I'll tell you from. The conversations that I've had with people, Hall hasn't been part of it at all, which is one th- one reason why I seriously wonder if there's there are something a lot, behind there the are scenes a lot going more, on there. Yeah. Because in previous years, like every time I would talk to someone in the organization about Taylor Hall, the conversation would be like, you know, he's a he's a great player, and if we had a chance to get him, you know, depending on the price, if we thought it would really help us and make us better and all that, this and the, you know, and now it was all very like. It was all very like team speaky, like very front officey, like uh, it's whatever. The, the fortress walls have come up a little and now, bit now. And now, yeah. like, <laughs> d- d- to be honest, most of this entire season, the conversations about Taylor Hall have been like very, Oop. very dismissive. Yeah, um, I'm. I don't know that I'm familiar with that player. <laughs> and just like history has taught me that that that's an indicator that the team. Is in on something? <laughs> is it? Is it least like exploring options? Yeah, <laughs> like very rarely. If uh, most of the time, if a team, if the team is not doing something, and I ask specifically, I will get a. We're not into this. Yeah, like I will get. I will get in hard no. For if sure. I ask, if I ask about stuff and and. Like it's like very like cloak and daggery, you're on the right track. So so I think I think they're involved. I don't know I don't know to what level, 
Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you, and I don't, and I don't like like this like rumor whoring thing that is a thing that a lot of reporters and, and media people love to do. I I don't like that game. It's not something I'm comfortable with. I don't think he lands well, in Colorado at the end of the day. I think it's Boston or St. Louis. Now, hang on. There is one rumor I want to discuss. Uh, no this, matter. This is not a read in. This is not a lead into Manscaped, by the way. No. Yes, it is. <laughs> no matter what team you play for. You should have heard Allie in the background. <laughs> Just say, oh, God. If you want to explore all of your options. No, we and, didn't even have a read today. And never get a hard no. Okay. In the bedroom. Okay. <laughs> Manscaped you're, has the tools for the job. You're giving free inventory for that? <laughs> Good Lord. Head on over to manscaped.com. Use code DNVR to get 20% off and free shipping. Get the right tools for the job. The perfect package is the way to go, whether it be the trimmer, the, uh, the toner, the moisturizer. AJ's just jamming out tonight. <laughs> The Whitney Houston was one thing, but this is starting to get into like AJ's going hipster on me. Yeah, this is this is this is getting into like this. This was my jam. I listened to a lot of this growing up. (laughs) So, look, the Taylor Hall conversation has been had. I think. Yeah, we had it. Uh, and if they make that move, then we'll have it again t- tomorrow yeah. or tonight or whatever. Whenever look, if they if they trade for Taylor Hall at like 11 p.m., I don't know about you, but I'm doing an emergency. Plan. Oh yeah, the, we're, we're doing zero it. doubt that if it's a midnight thing where we're yeah. jumping on, but. yeah, there will be another. There will be something that exists. Yeah. Um, I, I ultimately I don't think I don't think it's happening. I just I don't. I, yeah, probably not at all, and probably not today for sure. We'll we'll see about today. I, As the games finish up, and I I struggle to see the Avs doing it today. Hall might get done today, but I don't know if it'll be the Avs. Yeah, I'm. I'm just not sure, man. Um, it's the deadline. Can you I ever think, be sure of anything? Uh, I think Boston and St. Louis are the two teams that make the most sense to me. Yep. St. Louis is feeling a lot better about itself after the last week. They're feeling and back in it. They to be honest to... with you, like look, like. Mike Hoffman, 50% retained, and, uh, like, Scott Perunovich. Yep. Or Vince Dunn. Vince Dunn would make a lot of sense because that's a young defender that they can, like, drop into their lineup. You know? Those yeah. are... That's... that's yeah, would. Mike Hoffman at 50% retained with, say, a second-round pick and Vince Dunn. Makes all the sense in the world to me for the Blues and the Sabres. <laughs> or, you know, but Boston has been looking to try and move Jake DeBrusque. Yep. You know, they don't want to necessarily move DeBrusque and then lose Hall in the offseason, but, like, there's got to be an answer here. You've got to give something up, and their defense hasn't been so good that they can just start pulling guys out of that, too. No, that's not really. So I think those are the two teams that make the most. And I, I think that Don Sweeney, look, Don Sweeney does something every year. Yep. And I think he feels a loyalty to... Bergeron and Krejci and all like that group, that core that they're at the end of the line with. Yep. So it's I think I think that that's the last, where that has the last go or something. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, look, it's tough. Uh, on that note, be sure to like and subscribe to the video on YouTube. That helps us out a ton. 
we will be live tomorrow. Assuming nothing happens where we have to talk about it tonight. It's we'll true. be live tomorrow at 10 a.m. If they trade for Taylor Hall tonight, I'm sleeping in yeah, bitches. Right. <laughs> if they do their thing <laughs> tonight, they're going to be done. So, But we will be live planning on tomorrow from 10 a.m. Mountain Time. We'll probably do a longer show where we just shoot the breeze and, and talk about the deadline. Anybody, anybody that was around for the open of free agency? Yep. Where we kind of hung out for like four hours and a lot, a lot happened. That'll yep. more or less be what tomorrow something, looks like. Something quite a bit like We're that. just going to be hanging out looking for news. Um, I don't. Look, the abs, the abs are still out. They're shopping. They're still working. I think that they have an aggressive mindset. I think that they really feel like this is their time. This, this is a team that can do it. And if there's one more guy that can really, really, really help them, I think that they'll go and do it. I definitely don't want to say that they're done. Um, shout out to all the super chats we got tonight. This is the last one we have. Biggest late playoff threat. Tampa. Yeah, Tam- like Tampa's the. I'm worried about Toronto because the high end offensive ability, in in a seven game series, if they can just get decent goaltending and decent defense, those guys can put up fireworks. And I'm also worried about it because universally it would be horrific for me <laughs> and i don't and i i just expect bad things Here's, after a lifetime of bad things happen i just i can't believe in toronto until i see them against a real defense i, I can't I, do totally it. fair but they they could be the Colorado could be the first real defense they could it absolutely could yeah and that's you know so they scare me until they don't and I still, I don't know if this is a Colorado, like, scares me from a Colorado perspective. But if, like, I think Montreal is built to be a playoff team, man. I just, like. That'd definitely be a grindy series. Yeah, kinda. like, they they feel like a seven-game series. And That's a team that can if, just. And if Carey Price is Carey Price in that Ex- series. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I feel I, that. I don't know. Montreal, Montreal just is, like, one of the. X factors of the postseason for me. Yep. Um, Florida. Dude, for the same reason of Florida Toronto. Florida is such a fun team to watch. The only I'm, thing is, is that defensively, I don't trust any of that. As soon as Ekblad went down, it was a big problem. Yeah. For them. And yeah. like Mackenzie Weger, analytics darling. Yeah. Um, they went and got Brandon Montour. My I'm man. Pretty clear about how I feel about that. It's not that bad. Um, I'm like the really high end explosive offensive teams can can just get you. Absolutely. Yeah. In a in a playoff series. If they man, just go they, off, yeah. If they if they have two games where everything works and they blow you out, that's two freebies for them. They just have to win two now more. All they gotta, yeah. Exactly. And then you've gotta try and grind out four wins on your own. That's it's just tough. So yep. I'm super excited to get into breaking down all the playoff stuff when it actually when we get there it's gonna be fun yeah there's no doubt about it uh st louis is a four seed is kind of a nightmare low-key nightmare yeah for sure i also think that there is a better i will call my shot now i think there's a much better chance that st louis catches minnesota for third than arizona beating out st louis for fourth i don't agree with that and it's not because i think arizona is good but I think I think Minnesota's in for a little bit of a crash, and I, I think, agree with that. And I think St. Louis is in for 
a little bit of a, we got healthy, we're going to have our 10 games now. I think Arizona's going to hang tough with them. I don't know if they do the thing and, and take the spot from them, but... The only thing about St. Louis that gives me hesitation is their schedule. Yep. Um, very, very tough. A lot of Colorado and a lot of Vegas can make life hard for them. A lot of Minnesota could help them in that climb, though. We'll see. I mean, what a world it would be if Minnesota ends up in fifth. Oh, I don't think that'll happen. I don't think it will either, but it could. They would really have to crash, like, hard. That's a team riding two rookies. Where are they? Where are they? I think they're, like, eight points up, but I'm not sure. I'd have to check the standings again, which I might have up. Yeah. Yeah, they're eight points up on Arizona right now with two games in hand, so that's pretty rough. Yeah. That's a lot of ground. Seven points up on St. Louis, but the head-to-heads they have there will help. Right. That series will decide itself. Yeah, and again, I'm okay. I'm recalling my shot. <laughs> uh, I think there's a better chance that the Blues overtake Minnesota than Arizona beats out St. Louis. I still think Arizona has a better shot of catching STL, but anyway, I we'll see. Yeah, that's that's why they play the games, right? Mm-hmm. There's still Too 15 true. games left for the Avs, so. Every other day or more, seeing as how they have a game literally tomorrow. So that, that's, it, they have 30 points. They are already, they're already at 60. Yep. The big six zero. Are they the first team in the NHL to hit 60? I believe so. Unless Florida did it. There you go. They are officially. S- special shout out. We didn't, we didn't mention it, but yeah. Landeskog, 500 career points. 500th point tonight with a three point night. Yep. Just keeps on rolling. That's crazy to me. It's wild, dude. Does he hit a thousand? That'd be so hard. It would take a lot of games. It, he'd he'd have to find a way to play eighty-two for like the next all of his next contract, and then he'd still probably have to like play out more years with the Avs to get to a thousand. He's like he is. I think he's just like just shy of seven hundred games or so. Yeah, that's um. So he, he, you're talking about Patrick Marlowe numbers of games to get yeah. to a thousand then like and that would be really tough. Yeah. But eight hundred probably on the table, which would put him I what Hey Duke has eight fifteen or something. Yeah. So he'd be in that conversation to say the least but anyway on that note i think it's time for us to get out of here oh rambo santo oh yeah sampo ranta scored a goal tonight it was is a hockey goal in the not, eagles game not, not, not very highlight reel keep doing that i'm sure new hook will join him soon and the eagles will I be think, fun i think the eagles are gonna be a lot of fun down the stretch dude they're honestly Compared to these abs games against Anaheim, the Eagles <laughs> games are way more exciting. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Sure, with the bees. Yeah, he's popping off. Kelt's still picking up a ton of points. They're fun. Check yeah. them out if you haven't. Yeah, AHL TV is like it's, it's twenty bucks for yeah. the rest of the year. Like, like if you care at all about abs prospects. Yep. Never been a better worth. time. Exactly. Um, yeah, so abs are still really good. They have the opportunity to potentially get better. Uh, it's going to be a fun 24 hours, man. Yeah. Trade deadline and a game tomorrow. I'm just never going to sleep again. I'll sleep when I'm dead, I guess. 
pretty much it. <laughs> so on that note, thank you for watching, listening, however you consume the podcast. We love all of y'all out there. We're going to get out of here. Come down to the bar sometime. Check it out. We're really hopeful that uh, it'll be open and able to make this place totally jamming for the playoffs when they do come around. So, Word. yeah. Thank you again, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow morning. <laughs>